0: But the yesterday's DV Kid, who is someone well known to me from years ago when I was a loyal subscriber to the spotlight, uh, which one of the things that helped to uh, start me down these wayward paths and down the rabbit holes where I find myself all the time now. But DV has been around for 31 years doing this. Uh, she, she said before the show that she's had about 4,000 radio <laughs> interviews. So hopefully, 4,001 will, uh, will work for her. She's the founder and director of the project on winning economic. Reform. And she also has written uh, many books, including her booklet that she authored, Why a Bankrupt America, which sold 1.6 million copies back in 1993. So she's just a really interesting person. Uh, Deedee, uh, really a pleasure to have you on the show.
1: Well, it's a pleasure to be on your show, and I thank you for having me.
0: Oh, it's, it's, it's you know, we 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 need to try to Promote all the people out here are fighting this this corruption and madness, and you've been doing it for a long time. So, uh, tell us what you know. I always ask people. You know, I mean, for, for myself, I was I've always been a radical. You know, I was I volunteered for uh, Mark Lane, who was my hero, wrote Rush to Judgment about the JFK assassination. You, I volunteered for his group, Citizens' Committee. Committee of Inquiry as a teenager. And from there, it's, it's, so my entire adult life has been spent you know, in these conspiratorial type waters. So I, I've never been, you know, so-called normal. And then I got awake and I was awake then. Were you ever somebody who wasn't awake? And what what was the triggering mechanism for you to to make you understand what's going on all around us?
1: Well, I, I mean, I was just like everybody else out in the country. You know, you pursuit of life, liberty and happiness. Uh, you know when i'm in my senior year in high school i became a photographic face and hair model and i did that for years and got married and had my daughter and i'm very proud of her she's a professor who teaches physics at a university in in uh, colorado and but it wasn't until i was 40 years old and my late husband was a colonel in the u.s army and i went to work it you know for military wives you always try to get on at you know one of the nearby bases and so i did get on at oakland army base in oakland california and that was my first taste of really how rotten the federal civil service system is and when john was transferred to uh, Fort Carson. He was DEH at Fort Carson. Um, I got on at Peterson Air Force Base, and there was no job. I came in as a GS-11, which, you know, GS-8s and 7s, they hate that. Mm -hmm. They they hate the fact that you didn't come in at the bottom of the rung of the ladder, you know, but there was no job. My stupid advisor, Sandra Brown. She wanted to be uh, promoted up up the line. And to do that, she had to, to su- supervise one person. But the job that I left at Oakland Army Base, I supervised 132 people. And I was in charge of a budget worth m- millions of dollars. But as soon as I got on the job, I discovered there was no job. It was just pushing paper around. And you know, I told my husband. I said, the guy next to me, he, he sits there all morning calling um, uh, uh, parts places because he restored old cars. <laughs> and so on the government's dime, yes. he's, he's looking for parts. And mm-hmm. then the other guy. Th- 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 these were all engineers. And then the, the other guy at the other desk who flunked the engineering test three different times. Um, he sat in the in the the morning reading titty magazines at his desk,
0: <laughs> and so
1: I after three months I said I've had it, and I so I you know went to the JAG office at Fort Carson, and I told them what the problem was, and so they told me to go to the personnel office at uh, at uh, Pete Field because I was at Peterson Air Force Base Air Force Base Command NORAD long mm. long words, um, mm. and. Uh, The civilian told me that uh, they were going to fire me, and I said, "Because I'm, I filed a fraud, waste, and abuse against my own job." And I said, "I said that's fine. I said you'll see me on the five o'clock news." And so they they transferred me to contracting, which I stayed for another nine months, and I loved it because I my contracts were in places like Cheyenne Mountain, and and it was just way so cool. Mm-hmm. But I wrote a book about it, Federal Civil Service. I had one book before that. It was called um, California Construction Lending and the Law because at the time I was a senior loan officer with an SNL in the San Francisco Bay Area, and I handled construction projects over $500,000. But <clears throat> I knew that I was going to, you know, be let go. And so I wrote a book about it. And Mm -hmm. I was at the the, in the book publishing industry every year. They hold a big convention and and it's on the West Coast one year and the East Coast the next year. So we lived in Colorado at the time. So I went to L.A. and my publisher was there and nobody was coming to our table because. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger was there and, uh, you know, a bunch of the, the Gulf War experts, are, you know, heroes and all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But the, that's when I really started to find out. Um, he, my publisher handed me a book, big thick book, and it opened right to the chapter on the Federal Reserve.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I started reading it and I said, well, this can't be right. The Federal Reserve's part of the government. So he wouldn't loan me the book, and so when I got back to Colorado, I ordered the book and I read it, and here I am today. That's how it all started.
0: Wow, well, you certainly started at a good place, and uh, so as you sort of this is this is fascinating for me to see where these things now. How did you? I just again remember seeing you in the pages of the Spotlight. What was your? Did you have a relationship with the Spotlight? Because for people that don't know the Spotlight. Was I before the internet? It was a go-to place for for I think alternative news, and they actually had a a really huge subscriber base. Like uh, in my neck of the woods, I'm in the Washington D.C. suburbs. The Washington Times, which is a pretty well-known former mooney paper, but uh, <clears throat> by the you know it's published by the Unification Church of Sun Young Moon, but it's a conservative newspaper, and they they would have their writers and reporters on C-SPAN and things like that all the time. They're respectable. They had about one quarter of the, the uh, circulation that the spotlight had at the same time. Of course, the spotlight couldn't get on the air. So t- just for my own purposes, uh, you know, not, now that I write for American Free Press as well, which is what the spotlight became after the Southern Southern Poverty Law Center and the ADL uh, drove it into bankruptcy. But what was your relationship with them? Because I just remember seeing your name and picture in there uh, quite a bit.
1: I, I really honestly didn't. Um, they just printed you know columns that I wrote because this is way back before, you know, home computers, you know, took over right. the country, and right. all of my research and stuff I was doing at the fabulous Denver uh, library because one whole floor of that library contains all of the old um, congressional record going back to day one. And I, I have boxes and boxes and boxes of stuff that I copied. From the library, and of course, you know the PC came along, and uh, it's made life easier to some degree. But these these anti-American, America freedom-hating um, corporations like Google and the rest of them, mm-hmm. they do hide our columns. They they yeah. don't just make them on you know page forty-two, oh, number forty-two. Absolutely. No, 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 yes, no. yes, but. But that's, you know, it was a big big surprise to me to see things I was writing end up, you know, in various newspapers and stuff. And then I started making speeches all over, you know, the state of Colorado. And then it became, you know, invitations to, to conventions and this stuff. But the whole time, the whole time I was learning, you know, that's it. In 1993, that's when I became well, actually 92, the end of 92, um, when Bill Clinton was a- allegedly yes. elected, mm-hmm. and my husband put in his papers to retire. He refused to serve under Bill Clinton, um, and I'm glad because right after he put in his papers, they announced, you know, that uh, his replacement was going to be going over to uh, Kuwait. So, uh, you know, I was glad that he didn't have to go over there. Not that he didn't want to serve because he was in for 27 years, but he he felt that, you know, but he he refused to serve under Bill Clinton. But the whole time, all this time, I'm learning. I'm reading books and newspapers like the spotlight. Mm -hmm. And the more I learned, the more I became terrified of the plans that were being played out right underneath our nose.
0: Right. This
1: is the, 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 you know, Satan's pimps were busy <laughs> while we're, you know, doing our, you know, citizen's duty and going and voting every two years and trying to determine, you know, if an incumbent or a challenger was, you know, going to do the right constitutional thing, because I have been a maverick for most of my life, always asking questions and, I never let, you know, people push me around, you know, that's just, you know, I'm very different from my four brothers and sisters. (laughs) when I, when I went to Georgia to take a a survival training class (laughs) and brought back the pictures of me with my, um, uh. Black Knight compound bow and stuff. My mother just about fainted. <laughs> she could, <laughs> she couldn't believe what it. was. She said, "What are you doing with that thing?" I said, "I'm learning how to to stay alive, mother." <laughs> you know, but so you know, it just it it just kept building and building. But that's in late '92. I actually wrote "Why a Bankrupt America?" in my head. I laid there at night thinking about it, and I finally, you know, and this is a true story. <laughs> it, 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 it shows you how the Lord works. I wrote Why I Bankrupt America in my head. Then I put it into my uh, piece uh, word processor, and I got it finished. And I told a few people about it because it was about the Federal Reserve. And I get a phone call from this man who is a caretaker for a gentleman who lived up in um, Grand Junction, Colorado, which is like five hours from where I lived, And he, he was a caretaker for, for this man named Morgan. I won't give his last name, but he wanted to make a donation to help me get my book booklet published because he really believed in what I was doing and had heard about my work. Mm-hmm. So I told him, I said, well, I don't allow strangers in my house. But my husband comes home because uh, he, he was out of the military then, and he, he was a superintendent of all of this construction stuff for the federal government. So the next day, he shows up at my front door and hands me a box. I almost dropped it. It was so heavy. And I said, my husband's here. Would you like to come in for a cup of coffee? And he said, no, I have to go back, and you know, I take care of Morgan. So I took the box into the kitchen and opened it, and it was full of gold coins and I knew nothing about gold at the time, so I called one of my dear friends who passed away a couple of decades ago now, and he said, oh, my gosh, and he took me over to his friend who's a gold dealer, and it turned out that the gold was worth about $40,000. Wow. Yeah.
0: Wow. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. So that paid paid for the first 25,000 copies of the booklet, (laughs) and then we started picketing the Federal Reserve down on the um, 16th Street Mall. And Mm -hmm. it was very funny because we weren't out there 15 minutes and the Denver cops were there on their horses. (laughs) Because no no cars are allowed there. And these two clowns come out with these uh, video cameras. And the guy comes up to me and he said, are you the one responsible for this? And I said, I am. I said, and I used to be a face model. I said, so shoot my right side because I photographed the (laughs) death. And he got really mad and walked away. But there was nothing they could do. And all the cops, they were really nice. They all wanted a copy of Bankrupt America. So we picketed the Federal Reserve for eight months. And the trolley car ran, you know, on 16th Street Mall. And so people would... (laughs) When the trolley had to stop, they would jump off the trolley, run up to us, grab a free copy of my booklet, and jump back on the trolley. So from 1993 to 2004, when I first retired it, I sold 1.6-something million copies of that booklet at cost. I never paid myself a penny in royalties. And I brought it back in 2017 and updated it a bit and sold I don't know another 10,000 or so at uh, cost and then I finally just retired it because I I just don't have time, you know. My husband passed away, but but I oh, have so many things uh, you know involved in doggy things here in locally and working with our city council and I'm writing 11 bills on. <laughs> excuse me seven are for the u.s congress and uh four of them are for our state legislature and we're looking for sponsors for the bills um these these peop- these republicans and democrats none of them none of them i mm-hmm. have, have gone for the the solution and my column on Monday, which I hope your listening audience will read on NewsWithViews.com,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: I made it. I made it audio and the transcript. But what I talked about was, uh, remember old uh, Harry Reid?
0: Sure, the Nevada senator. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Nevada's I call him Dirty Harry. <laughs> he, he, he ran Nevada until he died, but he is one of the most corrupt, crooked. Oh. Oh yeah, and he he ran the state. But in 1993, good old Harry had a press conference, and he introduced a bill, an immigration bill, Senate Bill I believe is 1351. Uh, there's a link in my column. The bill is 76 pages long. It is the most anti-illegals uh, piece of legislation ever written it is the solution to stopping the hordes coming across the border and dirty harry talked about how illegals you know the crime rate and the drugs and all of that Mm -hmm. other jazz but of course it only took a trip to the you know the uh woodshed i guess and he finally you know changed his opinion but to this day and i i sent to President Trump, three months after he was elected, and a dozen senators and House members who claimed you want to fix the problem with the border. And I said, you have control of the House, you have control of the Senate, and you have a Republican president reintroduce Harry Reid's bill, get it passed. And does it what the bill do- does is it cuts off all welfare
0: all well right that's the solution just if you cut the government benefits you won't have to deport anybody if you if you cut all government benefits and base it onto sta- uh, immigration status that's the solution
1: it's the permanent solution because it's not just the state it is also the state no free medical no free nothing right, right. and, and um, it also addressed a very important thing and that's that the I'll say legal myth of so-called anchor babies, mm-hmm. because in that bill, whoever wrote it was a very smart attorney, but it was very explicit in saying that uh, babies born of illegal aliens are not U.S. citizens just because they're on U.S. soil. Right now, years ago. Here in Texas, where I live, we passed, our legislature passed, and the governor signed a bill um, where if the, the mother was from Mexico or, or Ireland or China, it didn't matter, um, and had a baby on U.S. soil and could not prove that they were in this country legally, there, no birth certificate would be issued.
0: For that baby. Boy, it's a shame. So, something that, like it's a shame we couldn't get something like that through. That's but isn't that the disappointment? The Republicans had both houses of Congress then. Obviously now, I'm wondering. You said you're writing all these these uh, uh, pieces of legislation or all these proposals. Do you have any uh, like, is Marjorie Taylor Green or anybody? And do you have anybody that gets back to you in, in Congress?
1: Well, I just started doing this because I belong to the. I'm registered no party since 1996 because I got right. royally screwed when I ran for Congress. Oh. Said, there is no question it was a complete and total steal. Mm-hmm. And I don't say that as a sore loser, but we proved it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, I will not run again as long as there are electronic machines controlling the election. Right, right. But, um, so I belong to our Howard County GOP club for the last three years and these are the nicest people you'll ever want to meet you know just the salt of the earth and Mm -hmm. i live in west texas the second amendment is king out here Mm -hmm. you know two miles from where i live you can see cowboys you know on their horses chasing their cattle and stuff Mm -hmm. this is also the permian basin we have enough oil here for the next 200 years
0: Mm -hmm.
1: so I have been educate, educating mm-hmm. these people for all these years into you don't just get together and talk. Mm-hmm. There are things we need to get done. So, I, I am this year, I am a state delegate to the GOP convention on oh. um, June the 16th in Houston. And I've been, you know, in, I couldn't do it last year because of the pandemic the year mm-hmm. before. Right. Um, I was out of the state, and the, the year before that, um, well, I, I forget what happened. The first year, I I couldn't do it. The first year, but this year, I, I you know I could. But then, in for the first time in 30 years, I actually got sick in February. I got I had severe pneumonia and was in the hospital for a week. Oh. So yeah. First, I haven't been sick in 30 years. Yeah. Knocked me to death. Yeah. But it put me behind. Um, so I have the list. We've been over it with our committees. You know, you can't do this alone. One person can invigorate a thousand people, but it takes one person with leadership to get the, the, you know, the right. show rolling. Right. So we we had our state convention, or our county convention. We chose our state delegates, which is, you know, I'm one of them. Um, 2024 is going to be critically important because when you're a state delegate, you automatically are a national delegate that goes to the, <clears throat> excuse me, the national convention for the party. Now, in 2008, I covered, uh, and I was inside the convention. I had a good friend who's a doctor up in the state of Washington who got me in with my press credentials at the time, Um, but I was not able to sit in on the committees and backdoor deals and stuff because I was just, quote, the media. But in 2024, if I'm still alive, um, (laughs) then I will be a delegate. But I've tried to, you know, encourage people, and it does cost money you know i live 11 hours from houston so i do have to pay for my gas and my hotel and stuff but this is where your voice is heard because Mm -hmm. this is where the party platform is created and this is where you have your voice even if you're an independent you can attend. I'm not. I'm not a Republican, and yet I'm a, re, a I'm a, a delegate at the Republican convention. But this is where you. This is where we can start cleaning up, because I mean the Constitution Party. It had. They have a wonderful agenda, but this is no different than after you know Trump was cheated. That you know. Remember how it swept across the country? Oh, we're gonna. We're going to have a new party, you know. It's going to be the Trump party, and we're (laughs) fine. Well, all of that sounds very good. The only problem is you have to have a state legislature give you the authority to be a political party within the state. Right. And they don't want any competition. No. So, for you know, until this whole thing, you know, just collapses, we we're stuck with the two parties.
0: Yeah.
1: Getting rid of the old guard, like, you know, human garbage, like Mitt Romney and Lisa Murkowski yeah. and Susan Collins, who are responsible for this
0: horrible
1: creature yeah. 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 who's, uh, you know, and, and that's a whole different thing. You know, you, you ought to have Dr. Edwin Vieira on to talk about um, the Supreme Court justices and impeachment. He wrote a book and it's not very thick compared to to these thousand page tomes that edwin normally writes but it's called how to dethrone the imperial judiciary Mm -hmm. you know you hear these people in the media all the time oh well you know they're they're appointed for life no they're not (laughs) no they are not they can be removed
0: well, the whole the right. whole the whole concept of judicial review needs to be looked at. And I and I'm writing Hidden History Three now and I'm going back into Jefferson, who's you know one of my one of my all-time heroes. And Jefferson was dissatisfied at the beginning because the checks and balances were subverted originally by John Marshall. And when they the, the Supreme Court took up this thing, the, the Supreme Court was not supposed to have to do what they've done ever since then, where either people, what do we say now? Let's, we'll we'll see what the Supreme Court says. That's not supposed the system supposed to work, but nobody talks about that or very few people do. And we need to look at the concept of judicial review because the judicial branch and the executive branch have usurped authority and the legislative branch is not an equal branch at all. It hasn't been for a long time.
1: Well, and I'll tell you something else too that shocks the hell out of people is, and I've said this before, See, we have guests that come to our monthly meeting. (laughs) And I always have a handout. But somebody raised their hand at one of the meetings, one of the guests there, and said, well, do you know that the decision of the Supreme Court, I said, stop. What does it say at the bottom? It says it's the opinion of the justices, the opinion. Right. Words have meanings. But the bot like I said, the bottom line is Edwin is an expert on this. And I've written about this over the decades, that one of the biggest failures of the US Congress, because they're gutless cowards, is removing bad judges from the bench. Mm-hmm. The House Judiciary Committee, the Senate Judiciary Committee, they're gutless. Okay. All of them. I don't care how popular they are. You know, because oh, so and so senator, you know, he did this with COVID. I don't care if he stood on his head and barked like a fox. <laughs> these bad judges need to be removed. Look at Amy these, Bur- Look at Amy Berman Jackson.
0: You know who is who is presiding oh. over over Roger Stone's show trial. I mean, they. The, I'm sure you know this, but for those of you who don't, the the foreman of the jury. Uh, was a, a Democratic activist who I think had run for Congress, and was was during the trial, was tweeting out and on social media t- uh, making anti-Trump and anti-Roger Stone comments. That 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 should have had the, the uh, mistrial declared, and if uh, Roger Stone was a serial killer, the judge did nothing. And when they appealed it later, she she got to decide, and said, I mean, how how do you let a juror do this? something like that? That's you that's an that outrage. Yeah.
1: As a member of Congress, you stand up there even if it's only broadcast on C-SPAN, and you stand up there with with a document in your hand, here, I have written the articles of impeachment for Judge Flapdoodle, Mm -hmm. okay? And this is the reason why. And I would get on every radio show that I can, every social media I can, to get rid of her. She should have been removed from the bench, never mind appeals. You either get tough with these people or you don't. But nothing is going to change until constitutionalists, which we, can, we can't get them elected because of vote fraud, right. but we sure as hell can get them as delegates like me to go to the state convention. And in 2024, we will be headed towards the national convention. And, you know, we haven't seen this for a long time, Don, but. You know, you know. I w- I want to say three or four decades ago. Remember, what they used to have at, what three, four, five, six ballots before they would come up with a candidate.
0: Yes, smoke rums. Yes, yes, absolutely.
1: Have, yeah, yeah. They, because the, you have all of these delegates from the fifty states saying, "Uh, uh-uh, he ain't going to be it. Uh, uh-uh, she ain't going to be it," and and they fight it out until they you know decide who's going to be who. Yeah. Now we, we have. So many rhinos, and this call for a constitutional convention that's made Mark Levine, you know, more of a millionaire than he was before. This is one of the reasons why people like me, back in 1994, and probably you, and the spotlight were screaming. the, The last state that we fought and won was Pennsylvania, and Jackie Petru who haven't talked to in probably 25 years but we fought and we stopped them and it was critical to stop Pennsylvania but oh we need we need a, a, a constitutional convention for the balanced budget and we need baloney yeah. Yeah. if you read my last couple of columns you'll see the newspaper from 1947 the new state's constitution is already written right they are just waiting for it But by getting people like you and me and your listeners as delegates, and these GOP um, uh, county conventions, they're being held still all over the country. We take the place. We get rid of these people like the Romneys and the rhinos and stuff. It's up to, I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say this to me well, DV, you know, they're Mm. just a bunch of a-holes. or Mm. And I say, well, then why do you let them stay in office? (laughs) Exactly. Why do you let them represent you as a delegate at the state convention? Why aren't you there fighting? Somewhere in the boxes out there in my shed, and I'm waiting for this young man who does work around the house for me to come back from uh, he and his dad do uh, escort those you know like big windmills and stuff anyway um, I pay him to do little jobs or he's going to bring get out some of the boxes because the one document I'm looking for was I also attended the uh, GOP convention in 96 down in San Diego and what a sideshow that was but the, <laughs> the, te- the state of Texas had the most constitutional agenda you have ever seen and I have I have a hard copy of it um, and I, I get it published I will get it published up on my website because I, I want people to see that even back then there were Republicans who were true constitutionalists
0: sure. well, that was that was in 96 that was uh, that was when Buchanan uh, challenged uh, uh, Bush right?
1: Well, uh, Bob Dole was the.
0: Uh, oh no, Bob. But yeah, Bob. Yeah, he won New Hampshire, and then they cheated him after that. Cause the vote fraud was there. I mean, Buchanan was outright cheated in Arizona after a massive attack by the Republicans and everything. So that was that was disgraceful. After three he won weeks, New Hampshire,
1: three weeks before the primary in April of 1996, I was five percentage points behind the establishment's uh, incumbent, Wally Herger. Now, I ran in the second congressional district. uh, In one of the uh, counties, the district attorney had a special fundraiser for me, said, we need to get this woman into Washington, D.C. The newspapers were printing every they sent their greenest reporters (laughs) to cover everything I said about the Federal Reserve and getting us out of the U.N. and getting us out of (laughs) NATO and everything else. Come primary night when I went to vote with my mom my name wasn't even on the ballot in the biggest county oh, in the
0: district Jeez.
1: yep yep wow. and the next day then there was nothing that could be done I mean there was nothing that could be done by one minute after eight the former um, reporter oh gosh I forget his name I'll remember it in a minute um, Peter Jennings. The former Peter Jennings at 8.01 p.m. announced the winners of all of 52 California uh, (laughs) uh, U.S. representatives. His numbers, the percentages were not off by even half a percent by 4 o'clock in the morning when the Secretary of State stopped. And the next morning I had a woman contact me from uh, – What the hell is the name of the county up there? I forget. Anyway, she'd worked at that precinct for about 10 years, every primary and election night. And I never asked her if she voted for me, but she was very upset. She said, I came in to work like I normally do, you know, during the the primary and the election night. And I went to put my coat away and in the side room the ballots were spread all over the tables out of the boxes and that's in hmm. violation of, of state law that was at nine o'clock at night the ballots weren't even transported until to the county clerk until midnight and yet the late peter jennings had <laughs> the exact
0: percentage well yeah well you're right you're right you're 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 Right in the middle of it, there we're running for Congress, but that's exactly what the the Collier brothers talked about in Vote Scam. And I had a big section on Vote Scam in uh, my book Hidden History because uh, that's you know this this was the the crux of the biscuit for the Colliers. That's why they wrote the book. They challenged because they were getting they wondered how you know what computer program is it? How are they how are they getting these projections almost completely like you said off a half a percentage point or whatever? They're getting they showed that like, in some um, districts they actually. Uh, corrected they actually got the exact vote totals down to yeah. i mean this is impossible he said that's statistically impossible and one of the all-time great conspiratorial lines they found the guy i think he was at the university of miami because they were computer programs themselves so they asked the guy you know what what kind of program do you run how do you do this and the guy that was in charge of it looked at them and said you'll never be able to prove a thing i mean it's like it's twilight zone mob but that's those are mob tactics that you're know, leaving your name off the ballot. But this, so, you know, 2020 comes up and people are acting like this is something new. I tried to tell them, look, this is, the, this is the rotten system that you allowed to exist. And they just threw the the mail-in ballot stuff in, which just, you know, exacerbated things. But it's so in your face, Stevie. I mean, it's, uh, I, I don't oh, know yes. how.
1: <laughs> and a couple of weeks ago, the uh, some judge out there in Pennsylvania ruled that mail-in ballots were unconstitutional in the state of Pennsylvania, which we knew that Trump took. So thank you, Judge. It took you longer to make this decision than it does for a mama elephant to give birth. <laughs> so thank you very much for waiting 17 months to tell us what we said at the time that those ballots, and they should not be counted. Now. The only way, and this is one of the local bills that I'm writing for our county commissioners. When my late husband and I moved here in 2006, we had paper ballots here. And we had paper ballots up until 2010. And then the head of the county commissioner's judge, and she's actually a very nice lady, um, but she She's the one who's responsible for us ending up giving up our paper ballots and being forced to use machines, and that's why you know there's a five five of the biggest counties in Texas are being audited right now from the from uh, November 2020, and it's not because Trump lost. Trump wants those counties audited to prove that texas is not turning red it's turning bluer and what they've found so far is going to blow people's minds when the final report comes out so this uh, this other bill that i'm writing for the county for the county is that the machines have to go i don't care i it's my tax dollars i don't care if you paid 350,000 bucks for them i don't care People, the Americans never used to have a problem with waiting four or five days to find out who was going to be the next president of the United States. We didn't have a problem with that. Okay? So yeah. why should we have a problem with it now? Do you want clean elections or do you want this damn mess that we've been embroiled but, in?
0: But they don't November.
1: Want- Huh? But
0: no, they don't. You're They don't want clean elections. I think the last election proved that. And again, I I am one of the I'm one of the smallest minority groups in the world. If you listen to me, and I'm I'm a Trump agnostic. You know, I supported him and voted for him and everything. But I have a lot of issues with him. But the problem is that the country is divided over Trump. And the Trump derangement syndrome is a very real thing. It's, real, it's It's some kind of clinical mental illness. It exists. And the people that have it is probably you know half the country. I don't know how many how many people, but millions. And these people don't care about because they've been poisoned by their hatred for Trump. So because of that, they hate anybody. They think that's why you have people sitting in prison since January sixth. You know the insurrection is wow. political prisoners because they're willing to subvert the civil liberties. They're willing to have, you know, they, no no voter IDs, nothing, you know, not, they don't care if the dead are voting or the mail-in ballots can come in after the date and it don't have to be dated. We're just going to assume, which is what Pennsylvania did. We're just oh. going to assume. I mean, this is
1: hard. But- that brings, excuse me for interrupting, but you see, that brings up a uh, uh, Supreme Court case, which our county clerk knew nothing about. She's a wonderful lady, very hardworking. She runs a tight ship, but I asked her because we had our special election. um, Just uh, let's see, March the third or seventh or whatever it was, and I said, you know, Jody, this there's only one federal candidate on the ballot, so it's not going to be an issue now. But come November, you, you cannot count. Any votes for a federal candidate after 1201 a.m. And she said, Well, what do you mean? And I said, There's a Supreme Court case called Foster v. Love, 1997 It was a nine to zero decision. One of the biggest cheerleaders of the nine justices was Ruthie Bader Ginsburg. <laughs> and it the court said that an undecided election of federal candidates, if it's not a you know clear decision that election is void. no ballots can be counted after midnight. And she said, "What happened with Trump? They were counting these ballots coming in at four o'clock in the morning. Yes, I said. That's right, and all in violation of federal law. And so I gave her you know, the, the uh, uh, links to the court decision and the link so that she could listen or watch. The Supreme Court actually filmed it so she could watch the oral arguments. But I said, come November, you have Democrats and Republicans running against each other for the US uh, House and the Senate here, I said. No ballots for them can be counted after midnight. I said, you know, uh, John Cornyn, who's—he's just—he needs to retire. He's a senator. I said, if he's has a commanding lead, he won the election. If it's you know, forty-nine to forty-seven, the election is void. The whole election is void. That blew her away. Blew her away. But you see these county clerks they don't know about these laws so it's up to mm-hmm. us and i did a whole column on it you know yeah.
0: well it, it just amazes me that and again i i don't really because I, I i think this is and i don't like it i think and i think trump makes a mistake and everyone makes by just saying that huh. he personally he personally was robbed yeah he was the victim of, of losing but the problem is the system is broken it's corrupt and they you know obviously wanted him out of there. But the idea that you can have the, what happened in Pennsylvania where, you know, they, they, they just, uh, and, and other places too, but we saw that with the mass decrees as well, decrees and mandates. These are not, they're not legislative terms. They're just the, 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 a proposal to uh, change the mail-in ballot procedures in, in uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, the governor can't just arbitrarily declare it, which is what he did. He's supposed to go through the legislator and the legislator, as you kind of mentioning, the legislator again, needs to flex its muscles. Just like They're you cowards. know, These yeah, they are. are
1: cowards. I don't. There's no other word for it. They're cowards in that they refused to. To I watched the hearings. Uh, what well, was the trial? I guess you could call it for uh, Trump out in the state of Nevada. Yeah. Now that's an elected judge who was out there, and this particular attorney, I forget his name. He had nine binders. Full of evidence. Yeah. More than 20,000 people in the state who no, who no longer lived in Nevada sent in their ballots from different yes. states. Yes. And the <laughs> judge ignored it. Here yeah. I brought my brother here from California in uh, August of 2019. He's severely disabled and couldn't, you know, take care of his house or anything anymore. So but a, a whole a packet of of the ballot for the presidential election came to my brother here in Texas to vote in California. Yeah, and that's yeah. I, yeah, so that California is soliciting election fraud, yeah. and I sent I sent it. I made copies, of course, but I sent it all to our attorney general, who's done nothing.
0: Yeah, well, and what our, they, attorney,
1: our attorney, attorney well, general, allegedly won his primary last month. Ken yeah. Paxton, he yeah. he's under federal indictment, and <laughs> the voters a, allegedly voted for him yeah, by a yeah. landslide yeah. <laughs> against Representative Gomer. Are you kidding me?
0: What? Oh, our, Yeah, well, that's true. He's what Gomer's one of the few decent ones out there. But the you know the, I. I, this the problem is with any of this stuff, TV, is that they demonize now the question of, of of voter fraud, and it's associated with Trump, who they have this derangement syndrome about. So you you see what's happened in social media. I mean, Trump was taken off of Twitter for questioning it. I mean, this is this is I don't understand how Americans can be satisfied with with not being able to question the results of an election. This is ridiculous, and that's and that's why those people are sitting in prison.
1: That's what well, they were doing. You know yeah. the, it, people the, this country is mesmerized by what they call social media. I've never been on Facebook, I've never spit, sent a tweet in my life. <laughs> I've never been on Twitter, I've never been on any social media, and I have no problem telling people, you know, in conversations here and there. Did you see this? I said, no. I said, social media is a sewer. I said it does have its good points when you're trying to get provable facts out to people. But the rest of this stuff, the people that do it and send out all of this garbage, that's all they are. They're human garbage. Forget them. Put them to the side. We need you, you, to be change and clean out the party. When Trump said he was going to clean out the swamp, I don't think he had any idea how deep the swamp was. And I had my problems with him, too, yeah. comes some of the bills that he passed, like GMO and stuff like that. Yes, yes. I, and I wrote columns about it. I do not worship that man. I don't know him. I will never know him or never meet him. But what he did was, and the Lord works in the ways that he does, but Trump gave us four years you know, to, uh, to 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 try to get things straightened out, but the fact that he had to know, they had to know that something was going to be done to keep him out of office, and what they pulled off was unbelievable.
0: Yeah, well, and and it's the aftermath. It's I think even worse because the fact and look what happened to it again. That Washington D.C. had twenty some thousand troops in it for a while. Uh, these people are still in prison every, and i i I've, I'm so depressed at the state of the country i I was going through my of course of course, I am too much on social media, but I was going through my I have the maximum amount of Facebook friends and I have a bunch of friend requests backed up. So I'm going through I don't, I just don't want to take the time to go over five thousand people, but I was you know when I see it something I say, why am I friends with this person? so today this this person said something like, you know, should the if your neighbor, was, was, at the, was one of the insurrectionists in D.C., would you turn him to the to the cops? And like, I'm just looking at all these people, every, yes, hell yes, they're traitors. And I think, why am I friends with this person? But that's the, there is the mentality out there and it all stems from the people who were there because of Trump and they, they hate Trump so much. They're willing to do things like give, you know, tremendously long prison sentences to people that did nothing but walk into a building after being waved in by cops. Did you hear though? One good bit of news: one of the guys was let off. A courageous judge said that you know, because they showed the video, of the cop waiting inside, he was let off. I don't know if you heard that. I think it was yesterday. I can't remember the guy's name. But so one of the that's jan- right
1: because the judge said in yeah. cor- and very correctly when they sh- when the defense attorney showed the um, film, it showed the DC cops moving the barricades right. away yes. and opening the doors and using their hands to wave people in. And so that judge, yes, he grew a pair and he made the right decision. But the rest of these people that did the same thing, they are in prison, they've been in prison longer than any sentence that they might receive. But this is all payback and this is, it, it, there's so many different social media platforms. You know, remember back in 2004? What was the social media, the hot brand of the United States? It was called MySpace.
0: MySpace. You remember yes. that? Yes, yes. I
1: didn't have anything to do with it, but I, knew I had it a MySpace. Was.
0: I had a MySpace page, of course. Yeah.
1: Yes. <laughs> and then along comes this punk, Mark Zuckerberg, who gets yeah. lucky just like Bill Gates. Yes. And he comes along with this thing with uh, Facebook, and I, I have told my doctor, I've told my dentist, I've told the city council. I said, why? Why, with all the other alternatives, are you still using Twitter and Facebook and stuff? They sell your information. They're trying to mold people's minds into being happy slaves. I said the best thing that we can do is to if, if people stop using them and find something my cousin lives in South Dakota she uses something called um uh, Wee or something like that yeah, me, me wee yeah mee yeah and and it's growing very well, you know, and this thing with uh, Elon Musk buying you know billions yeah. of dollars it's going to make Jack's worth a difference. Yeah. I mean, look at the American people made Jack Dorsey, another loon bag along with Zuckerberg and the rest of these. These are America haters. So why are you enriching them? Yes. It is a lot of work to move your website from one to, to, uh, you know, social media to another, to another. Um, But is it or why do why do you want to keep making them billionaires?
0: I don't I don't understand it. Well, I, I would. I try to tell people the, the only the reason I want to stay on platforms like that, YouTube, as well. Uh, none of them believe in free speech, of course, and that's that's horrible. But the problem is, if we go to like Gab and MeWe and Parlor when it existed, those because I've been in all those, and uh, they're mostly dead still. And, but the problem is even if you get something going there, you're preaching to the choir. The, the only way we can change things in this country is to hope that you get a rant. I've had a few of those that randomly see an interview I did or something or read my book or something. You have to find somebody who's not already aware of it and that somehow you say something that sparks them and they start waking up. And you, you have that chance on Facebook or uh, Twitter because yeah. it's full of those people. Yeah, of course, you have to put up with their, you know, just refusing to think. But if you go to the other places, you're just and we, the, the problem, nothing's going to change in this country until there are more people awake than asleep. And right now, it should be pretty obvious that we're severely outnumbered. I, I was going to ask you about your family, because I know in my family, I mean, I have a huge extended family. And the only person that's awake in my family is my son, He's the only comrade I have. The rest of the people don't care any, anything, anything. They think I'm nuts, I'm sure. But how about you, you said you have siblings, you have a daughter. Uh, how, how is your family treating you? Are, are you still able to eat Thanksgiving dinner with them?
1: Well, they had, both of my sisters live in California. One of my sisters and my cousin who lives out there voted for Biden simply <laughs> because of yeah. Obamacare. They are in the low, lowest, low-income bracket. And Obamacare is the only way they can get any health stuff. My older sister and her husband are millionaires. They do nothing. They they did they didn't donate five cents to to my campaign when I ran. They oh, just said it's a waste of time. You know, yeah. they do nothing. Yeah. So they just live in a million plus dollar home, and I love them dearly. And when we talk on the phone, we talk about our doggies and stuff like that because. <laughs> You know they're 75 years old, both of them, and and that's just what they choose to do. But there's a website called Gen Z Conservative, Z E N Z Mm -hmm. Conservative, and you would it's huge, and these are 18 to 30 year olds, Mm -hmm. and they are big constitutionalists, and they are angry about what's going on. Should be, you know, Biden, but that's great that the younger generations like that are now starting to catch on and after my husband died I you know he was a a amputee in a wheelchair Um, I had some extra time on my hands so the school district here contacted me and said you know maybe one or two afternoons a week could you be a substitute teacher for us and I said sure you know I love kids so I signed up for every single social studies and civics class that came available. And boy, did I give it to them for three years, every <laughs> single one And they
0: let, they let you do that? They, did, they didn't, they didn't, you didn't get complaints? No. And
1: I can tell you this, I only did the intermediate school for one year. Those were fourth and fifth graders who were transitioning from elementary school to junior high school. All of them using $700, you know, cell phones, which were not allowed in the classroom. But the minute they got out the door, yeah. but I had my fill of just a, a few classes. I said, I, I'm, I, I never volunteered again. I loved doing the elementary classes because those are the first, the third graders and they're, the kids are just absolutely wonderful. But yes, they allowed me to do that. I've oh, actually quite that's, known in town.
0: That's so man. I thought I was doing good when my adult education program at let me teach a, a course in Oliver Stone's JFK for several years. <laughs> I can't believe they're paying me to do this. But uh, well, they, uh,
1: they, they they I did you know my very very best and I nobody ever said anything. I I didn't get in trouble for anything. For but you. these kids, they really actually learned something. And, you know, I took every opportunity I could to explain to them why the United States is not a democracy, that it's the worst form of government ever created, and it destroys every country that's ever a democracy. And, you know, but the other thing I noticed was in every single classroom, every single classroom on the teacher's desk, Was some kind of religious uh, saying, you know, a picture that said, you know, God loves yourself on every single teacher's death. And there was no ACLU. Nobody complained.
0: This is a a public school.
1: This is a public big spring independent school district. Yep.
0: Wow. That's that's unusual there. <laughs> you you man, say well. We're we you know. I just we're uh, we only got about five minutes left, but I because I, I don't want to keep you over. But so tell us so. Right so you right now you're working on that. Obviously we're dealing when you started this because I, I look back and think God I was I was trying to warn people about this going back as a teenager. Of course I'm a crazy teenager in the '70s and uh, in '80s '90s talking about this stuff. You're starting in the '90s. Do you uh, I mean don't you feel like a lot of times you just almost want to go up and down. You know, stick your tongue out of people and say, I told you so or something. I mean, it, everything, I mean, anything we envision has gone way beyond we thought. I mean, did you, I, I didn't think about, you know, fact checkers and, and, uh, you know, the crazy stuff we see now and there's and the anti-free speech that is everywhere where people are literally the cancel culture, all this. But do you feel like you want to tell people I told you so? And I, I'm a little bitter that, you know, nobody acknowledges how right we were.
1: No, I don't, because it just goes right over their heads. I call them the unreachables. If God Himself stood in front of a thousand of these unreachables and said <laughs> climate change is a hoax, yes. they wouldn't believe God Himself. Yes, they, right. it's called brainwashing, and I've read several books about. And the the Soviets were the very best at it. Mm-hmm. They took, you know the children and they washed their mind and started implanting the propaganda. And I think this was in my column last week, I forget the quote that I had from whoever it was, but um, way back in the 20s and one of the goals was, one of the ways that we are going to achieve our goals is through education, that's who we need to target. And they've been very sure. successful. And sure. you've got parents that grew up with this kind of propaganda, and now that their children are being subjected to it, right. and they don't see anything wrong with it because <laughs> they were brainwashed.
0: Well, it's, it's it's the brainwashing is at a, at, a, at a level that's incomprehensible. When you can get people, yeah. I don't I don't know how many millions of people believe it, but corporate America does and the government does that men can have babies. When you're that when you're oh. that. And, and they, they believe that. This is official. Yes. And, and to qu- question it, you can lose your, I mean, how do you fight that kind of madness? I mean, you can't have a conversation with people like that. What? You know, my official pronouns are it and it. I mean, what? I mean, but th- these are the people that are in charge. It's, it's, it's terrifying, really, to consider these are the people that are, you know, I guess I'm glad I'm not as young as younger, because if I was still... You know, really having to earn a living in the workforce out there, I'd be because I wouldn't be able to hold my tongue
1: ever. I I wrote about that last year. I said, you employers out there had better watch out because these people are mentally ill and they're going to file lawsuits against you. So you had better man up. (laughs) And your defense, you bring in these psychiatrists who all who all say these people are mentally ill. Instead of glorifying this, these people need to be treated with compassion, but also they need to be treated because they have been led to believe that, that this garbage, I, I saw this little quick TikTok the other day of this mother who said her you know daughter apologized for not referring to her mother as they. Oh, God. And I thought this is child abuse.
0: Ah, oh, it is. I saw another mother, a good-looking young woman. and just and so you know, hiding the evil inside. She's holding up her baby and saying, "My baby is gay." Saying, "My dad says we have to wait." No, he's gay. And I thought, what? You know what? I mean, what kind of monsters are out there? What is that? I, I mean, I don't understand. I it's one thing to say if your child is gay, you accept them and still love them, but you know to 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 sit there and wish and declare that I I don't get that at all.
1: Well, I've written enough columns about it that are quite frank, and I've said in my column, okay, mom, you're proud of your teenage son having sex in another man's S-H-I-T. What a (laughs) thing to be proud of, because what is it that you think homosexuals do? Do you think they lay down next to each other and trade uh, baseball cards? They shove their (laughs) fists up each other's anuses, and this is something that you're very proud of? I, I haven't missed
0: any words in my columns. Well, I, I could tell you, you are quite the firecracker. That's what I would call you. You are really something. i, I And I think we all lost something when you were cheated out of a position in Congress, but uh, in, in the minute or so we have left, why don't you uh, give out your links again and promote anything? I got to have you back again soon. Cause you're so many things I wanted to, cause you're fascinating. I love listening to you on rents. I love reading your columns way back when in spotlight and, uh, Lots of things we can talk about that I, that I didn't get to today because there's just so much out there. So give, give out your links and promote yourself. Tell the people where I can find you.
1: Plus, I got to call a plumber. Um, <laughs> <laughs> <right>. <laughs> my website is my name, which is DV, and it's D as in Delta, E as in Echo, V as in Victor, another V as in Victor, and a Y as in Yankee, dot com. And when you click on that, you know, on the right hand side it says columns or, or articles, I forget. And you click on news with views and that's where all the archives are. And I, I've been writing for them for since two thousand and two, probably close to fifteen or sixteen hundred columns. Plus columns for World Net Daily and Federal Observer and I don't write for them anymore the, the last two because I just don't I, I time, you know, just gets away from me. I'm getting old.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you're not running out of energy, and it's uh, you're 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 doing great. And one day, hopefully, people like you will, uh, well, your efforts will have uh, resulted in a better world. But again, I thank you so much for coming. Go go talk to your plumber, and uh, we're going to get you back again real soon. It's a real pleasure to talk with you, Dee. Dee.
1: It's a pleasure too. And uh, take care of yourself. And thank you for the audience listening today.
0: A- thank you. Thanks, Dee. Dee. Take care.
1: Okay, bye.
0: Bye. See you later. Okay, Tony.